Praise the Lord. Amen. Father God, we believe in you, Lord God. Lord God, we, we believe in you, Lord God. We lean into this, Lord God. We thank you so much, Lord God, for the cross of our Savior and our King, Jesus Christ, Lord God. We thank you and we believe in the resurrection of our, our great God and King, Jesus Christ, Lord God. That you gave our, your life, Lord God. You spilt your blood, Lord God. Your, your body was broken, Lord God, for, to, to, to redeem us, Lord God. And Lord, we believe that and we thank you so much, Lord God. And we're yours, Lord God. We, we Help us, Lord God, this morning, Lord God, to just shed everything, Lord God. Just shed it all off and just be yours, Lord God. And Lord God, in that, Father, we pray more than anything, Lord God, to help us to see the way that you see. Father, we believe. Help our unbelief, Lord God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Man, you can go ahead and have a blast when you're praising the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen? Woo! <laughs> We've, we've prayed, man. You know, Father, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's one of my favorite prayers in the scriptures, man, because, you know, saying that and, and acting like that, man, sometimes it's two different things, ain't it? You know, I believe in you, but not right now. <laughs> Because I got this thing, man, that's all over the place. You know what I'm saying? And so I want to challenge you, man, because today's scripture is a trip. All right? And it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause us to lean in on that declaration that we just made right now. I believe in you. All right? So will you stand with me while I read this, please? It's 50 pages, so just kind of, just kidding. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we praise you. Lord God, this is your word. And Lord, we're just here just to, to lean into this. This is a huge word right here, Lord God. And we just pray that you would just help us, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17 is our text today. And here it goes, man. It's kind of crazy leaning on this. Ready? Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold... There was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. All right, she was bent over and she couldn't fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, all right, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and he said to her, Woman, you're freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight. And she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue was indignant <laughs> because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And so he said to the people, there's six days in which well, work ought to be done. Come, in, come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. What's the matter with you people? <laughs> right? Then the Lord answered and said, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath, untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And not, not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years, whom you have been ignoring, all right? Shouldn't she be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? 
As he said these things, his, all his adversaries felt like idiots. It's another way to put that. It's the Greek. In the original Greek, it's felt like idiots. All right? <laughs> all right? We're put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. Again, Father, it's your word. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. You can, you can go ahead and sit down. Thanks for doing that. Appreciate that. So I got a question. Why do you think it's sometimes easy to ignore uh, the, the, the pain of other people, other people's pain and their hurt? Why do you think it's sometimes just so easy not to see it, sometimes easy to, to look the other way, sometimes easy to just ignore it altogether? And we were talking about this in sermon prep uh, this week, and you know, some, some people were saying, well, you know, well, because we're too preoccupied with ourselves, and I can see that. You know, I did a lot of work to feel pretty good about things. You know, why should I feel bad now? Because, you know, you don't feel good. Or because if we acknowledge it, then we feel that we have to do something about it. And because we don't know what to do, man, we just hide from it. But let me challenge you to a thought this morning, all right? And here it is. I'll put it up there. If all you can see is you, you'll miss the pain that Jesus wants you to see. Right? If all you can see is just you, man, and just, you know what, man, <laughs> walking around with that mirror, if all you can see is just you, man, then you're going to miss the pain that Jesus himself is seeing and wanting you to see with him. I was a couple of weeks ago, I told you last week, my wife and I were at this wedding in Tucson, and we met this extremely interesting uh, uh, gentleman named Orly Nathan Israel. That was his name. Orly, Orly. I just like saying Orly. Hey, what's up, Orly? I kept saying he had a cowboy hat on from Santa Monica, and he was at a wedding, cowboy hat on, uh, button-up shirt open with a tank top underneath it, and had the shoes with, you can see the toes, you know what I'm talking about? All right? And I'm not even kidding. The first thing he said to me, he goes, you. He looked at me, he goes, you. He goes, we're going to dance. And he started doing this. <laughs> he started looking at me, doing all that. He said, we're going to dance. I looked at Debbie. I said, does this guy know how to party or what? You know what I mean? This guy, I like this guy. All right? We started hanging out, man. I started talking to him. I want to know more about Orly. Right? And he started telling me, you know, I learned a little bit. His dad was actually a writer for uh, one of those uh, TV shows. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Third Rock from the Sun. His dad was a writer for that show. And for, uh, he was also a writer. Right on, brother. He was also a writer for uh, another show called Grounded for Life. You ever heard of that? Anyways, and uh, his mom did some pretty interesting work as well. But I wanted to know about Orly. I was like, Orly, what, what, what is it you do, bro? And he says, uh, well, I, uh, I set up a listening table. And I said, what the heck is that? And he says, I just go around, you know what I mean? I set up this table, I put a sign out there that says, here to listen, no advice, no judgment, no charge. I said, wow. I said, that's what you do, bro? He says, that's what I do. All right? I said, man, and he goes, I go, so I'm thinking, you know, he's from Santa Monica, so you're just going to the beach right there, you set that up once in a while. He goes, no, I've been all over the country. He showed me pictures of him in front of the Capitol building in Washington, with his booth, <laughs> here to listen, no advice, no judgment, no charge, right? And he started to tell me, I said, man, I go, uh, how many people? He's like hundreds and hundreds of people, man, I see all the time. They just come up to my booth. 
Because they're, and I said, why are you doing this, brother? He goes, man, I just want to be a better listener. That's exactly what he said. And I said, well, that's one way to do it, right? You know? And uh, I said, tell me a story, man, about, man, what was the last person that came to your booth? He goes, well, that was interesting. He said, there was a couple that came to his booth, and they just sat there, and they said, you, you, you serious about this? He says, yeah, here to listen. And they started talking amongst themselves, well, what are we going to talk about? And then he had this idea. He says, why don't we say something that we weren't ready to tell each other and, to, and tell him? And I thought, well, that's kind of dangerous. <laughs> and, so, and so she started sharing some stuff, and he, he, he just listened, and he, okay. And then, uh, and then he started sharing, and immediately, the first thing he said is, he goes, I'm a drug dealer. He goes, I'm a drug dealer. And she looked at him. Right? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I'm a drug dealer. She doesn't know it. My parents don't know it. My family doesn't know it. A lot of my friends don't know it. He goes, I feel everywhere I'm going is I'm, I'm wearing a mask and stuff like that. And he goes, I'm just tired of this, man. And he goes, I just want to get rid of it. I just want to stop. And I don't know how to stop. And I thought, wow, that is interesting, dude. And I go, he goes, and he looked at me. He was looking at me when, I, when he was telling me. And he had a different look on his face. I go, Orly, what, are you, what are you looking? What are you expecting from me right now? He goes, most times when I tell people that story, he says, why did, you, why did you keep listening to him after he said he was a drug dealer? Why do you keep listening? And, and, and uh, I said, I ain't tripping like that. He goes, I go, well, what do you tell them when they tell you that? He goes, well, I, I got his quote right here. He said, if I'd have stopped listening to him after he said he sold drugs, I would have missed the human part of him. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to say. I thought that wasn't an enlightening thing to say. I thought, you know, and I was challenged by that because I recognized that today it's, it's just way too easy to miss the human part of people because we ain't listening. We ain't trying to see them. And I think Jesus is kind of leading us to this in this story right here. All right? He's kind of leading us to this in this story. So one more time, let me pray as we go into this. Father, we give you the praise, and we ask you, Lord God, to help us see. Help us see the way you see. And it's for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look what it says. It says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And, and that was a pretty formal setting, you know what I mean? And, and so, you know, and he was the one teaching and stuff like that. And things were going down and stuff. And, uh, and, and he was just laying down the word, and, you know, he was sharing the word. And people were, you know, would, would be there and listening and stuff like that. And, uh, and, it was, and it was in the synagogue, and it was on the Sabbath. And a lot of times we forget about the Sabbath and stuff like that. And just kind of remind you just really quickly, uh, you know, so we can just kind of add some context. You know, this, the Sabbath is, is a day that God gave us to rest. It's a, gay, a day that God gave us to just kind of settle things down and to rest. It's not a day just to just disconnect from everything because there's some things that we should be doing on the Sabbath. It's not a day just to, you know, I'm just going to take a vacation. It's not that. Three things I think, and I shared this with you before and I'll share them with you again. Three things that need to take place in this is reflection, connection, and projection. All right? And then when you take time just to get along with God, you need to sit back, reflect, all right? Taking a look at what God has already done, what he's done before you, what he's done around you, what he's even done through you. Take a look at some of the things that God has already done. All right, And it's a time for reflection. You kind of just have that God moment, that time between you and the Lord where you're going to reflect on the things. And then you also want to connect with, with God in the moment. You want to connect with him in the moment. And it's that worshipful connection that just belongs to him and nobody else. It's not even for you. It's actually for him. 
And you take that time to reflect and then, you know, on the past and what's happened up to this moment and you take time to, to connect with God in the moment and then in that, in, in that uh, Sabbath, you want to take time you know, to project, to pr- prayerfully imagine where he's going with all of this and determining that you're going to go with him no matter what. And that's what leads us right to where we're at. When you project, okay, when you, when, you, when you reflect where God is, when you take the time, when you connect with God in that manner, all right, and then you, you connect with him in the moment, and you determine that, you know what, where he's going with all this, I'm going with him no matter what. And you see stuff that you would normally miss if you didn't take that time. And it challenges me, like, how much am I missing around me? How many people am I missing around me when I don't take that time? All right? That's why God gave us the Sabbath. And the problem is with us a lot of times when God gives us things, man, when he gives us something, we tend to focus on what he gave us all right, and not him anymore. We focus on the thing and we get all caught up in the thing and we forget the giver of the thing right? and we lose and we, and we miss it. And that's exactly what's happening here. And it's crazy because he said that, the scriptures say that, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years, and she was bent over, and she couldn't fully straighten herself. And, and I want to challenge this really, really quickly here, because some people get caught up on that, all right? And, uh, and uh, I love what David Guzik said about this, right? He says, he says, we are foolish to think that spiritual issues cause all physical problems. We're foolish to think that spiritual issues cause all physical problems, but we're also foolish to think that spiritual issues can never cause physical problems at all. You know, and you know, otherwise, why do they mention it here? There's a disabling spirit and not other ways in scripture. I mean, I could easily say that time I was up at Big Bear, man, and I went to go hit that rail. Boom, I fell off that rail and busted my arm. I could say, man, stinking demons. And my buddies are gonna say, no, bro, you just ain't that good of a snowboarder. <laughs> so, you know, they're, and they're probably right. Okay, so you know, and it says that, that, that she was bent over and could not fully straighten herself, all right? And for a lot of us, that's hard to look at, right? For a lot of us, that's hard to look at because we ain't trying to see that kind of pain in people. All right, it's crazy, man, because even in her life of pain and distress, 18 years, this woman, she didn't give up her faith. She didn't give up her faith. She was still coming to synagogue to hear the word of God, all right, to be, to be involved in the prayers and in the community. You know, I've seen people walk away from God just moments after he did not answer a prayer immediately, let alone 18 years. Maybe she was already healed in a manner, all right, that we sometimes don't look for. Because I believe that a healed soul truly knows what healing is. When our soul is, is healed and experiences the spirit of the living God, then we truly know what healing is, no matter what our physical disabilities could be. I think it's important for us to think about. In Luke chapter in, in 13, 12, in verse 12, he says, then Jesus, when, when Jesus saw her, and I love this, the way that this is said, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you're freed from your disability. And again, I ask you, how often do you find yourself looking away from human suffering? How often do you find yourself looking away from human suffering? 
I remember years ago, man, when I would watch TV, man, and those commercials would come on, and it'd be the kids that are going through all the problems and have the disabilities, and then you'd see all these different things, man, and I would like, ah, oh, man, really? I was trying to enjoy this show, this movie, or whatever, and now we have this, 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 this interruption, this invasion, this assault uh, you know, on my life, and it's very painful for me. All right, and then the more and more I grew in my relationship with God and asking God to help me see the way they see things the way he sees, see people the way he sees, that pain turned into prayer. And so now it's like, you know what? You, you can't ignore those, those, those commercials and those things because then you, you know, it's an opportunity to start to pray for those people. Pray for those kids on the screen that are going, I challenge you every time you see those commercials, don't turn, don't, don't fast forward, man. Just, just sit there for a moment and start to pray for each of those kids. And when you see those kids out in the community, pray for those kids. When you see those adults out in the community, start to, he says right here that Jesus saw her. And this is what's just so huge. He saw her. And in this, it, but, it, but it actually means, he didn't just mean like, oh yeah, there she is. He became acquainted, all right, with her pain by experience. That is the root word that's being used here for saw her is, is to become acquainted with her pain by experience. How easy is it to miss the people when looking into the crowd? How easy is it just to see the crowd? Or sometimes we get it all, you know, we find it real easy to look for the perfect people. So we can either do one of two things, try to be like them or try to find imperfections because they ain't that good, right? But how many of us actually look to see, to become acquainted, all right, by experience, the broken and the hurting. Not only did he see her, this is what's crazy. Look what it says. He called her over. <laughs> it's hard enough for us to sometimes try to see this pain and to take the time to uh, notice this pain and become acquainted with the pain, but then to call the pain over is quite another thing. And what's even crazier, she responded. And this is where we usually miss it, when, when, when Jesus is calling us to him. How many times do you miss the call? How many times do you put him on hold? How many times do you say, not right now, man, and not right now, and then all of a sudden, like, you're like, asking later on in life, I never hear him anymore. It's because you've desensitized yourself to the call that God has on your life. He saw her, he became acquainted with her, and he called her over. Now, I'm not just, you know, every sermon is like how amazing Jesus is. I love that. I love blowing up Jesus. I love bragging about Jesus. I'll do it until Jesus comes back, and then when he gets there, I'm going to say, remember that time you did that one thing? All right, and you know, when I'm with him. And so, um, but but, but, but I have, I'm also reminded of the fact that we are called to walk like Christ. We're called to be like Jesus. And he called her over, and she went over there. An amazing thing happened. Look what happened. He said, and he laid his, his hands on her. And immediately, she was made straight. And she glorified God. He, she, she would have missed that if she, wasn't, if she wasn't listening. But what this tells me is that even in her, even in her state of, of physical disability, her heart, her soul, her mind was leaning into the things of God because she recognized who was calling him. How many times do we just desensitize our lives to that call, man? I'm trying to remind you guys. 
And not only when he's calling you to be healed or calling you to his side, all right, because there's great healing just being with Jesus. There's no, there's no better healing than being with Christ. But how about when he's calling you to see another individual, to look and to see? And he called her over. Right? And it's amazing. He called her over, man. She went over there, man, and, and he laid his hands on her. Immediately, she was made straight. Sometimes we ignore how straight God wants to make us, how he calls us to straighten up, and not, in, not just in physical, but it's just in spirit, in heart, in emotion, in love, in action, to no more be a taker, but become a giver for his glory. It's pretty amazing, all right? And this still happens today. This actual physical stuff, it still happens today. But my question is, are you even trying to see it? Are you even trying to see it? I mean, I mean, you know, a, lot, a lot of people say, I, I, hear, I hear stories about that, you know what I mean? But, you know, I'm like, yeah, right, anyways. Because we've heard a lot of miraculous stories, and then we see people just kind of just over-sensationalized where they're slapping people around on the stage. You're healed. Take off his jacket. Woof, and all you guys fall down, all right? It's just ridiculous. Jesus never took his robe off and went, woo, 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 woo. Everybody started falling down. And it just never happened. All right? He was very personal. But this still happens. And I know, man, because when I was reading this story of 18 years, I was reminded of a young little homie of mine that was in my youth group back when I was a, a youth pastor at First Baptist. And she... Uh, <laughs> She just amazed me, man, because she was this little tiny little thing, Jessica, Jessica LaRosse. I don't know if some of you guys remember the LaRosse. is an amazing family, all right? And uh, I, I didn't know it for a while, man, but her feet, all right, when she was born, her feet were, were rolled in. They were rolled in like this, and she was putting all her weight on the insides of her feet. But she played it off pretty well. She was a tiny little thing, really into sports, right? Soccer, uh, softball. She was into karate and stuff like that. And you know, and uh, and she's very active in the youth and stuff. And we would, I remember, we'd go to we'd go to uh, to camp, man, and we'd play Red Rover like all day long, all right, <laughs> for for a day. And she would just get out there until you know, and she couldn't do it anymore because what would happen eventually? Because it affected her ankles and it affected her back, but her her knees would her, it affected her knees. I mean and her knees would pop out. And then we'd have to like, they'd carry her off the field. And when she would play soccer, man, she would go out there and she would play and then all of a sudden, boom, it would happen and they'd have to carry her off the field. They'd ice them and wrap them and get her ready, man. And you're like, why didn't she stop? Because she's not a quitter. She wanted to get more to have fun, right? And then when she was 18, all right, I was just talking to her again yesterday because I wanted to get the, particular. When she was 18, she was at a friend's house. Um, some families would get together and they would pray there. And they would pray there, man. And they would worship and read scripture. And while she was there, when they were just kind of wrapping up, they said, does anybody need prayer? And she was thinking about her legs and her feet. And she said, really sheepishly, because she's never experienced this kind. She just heard them pray with this authority. She heard them pray with this authority in Jesus' name. Not authority like, I got this, but authority in Jesus' name, be healed. And she said, I I'll take some prayer. And, and, they, and, they, and they surrounded her, and they started just praying over her. And she said it was crazy. When they were praying over her, 
she said that her legs started to get warm. Her feet started to get warm, actually. And she thought, well, you know, it's their hands, they're putting their hands around on, on my legs and they're praying. Maybe it's their hands. It's cold outside and this kind of, but when she looked down, none of them, you know I mean? It, 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 she, she looked down and she recognized that the heat was coming up to her knees and it was tripping her out. And then she started praying again with them and then she felt like somebody was massaging her feet. And she looked down and she had tennis shoes on still and nobody was massaging her feet, but she could feel it. And it was crazy, man, because as they were praying, all right, they prayed, man, and they said, in the, in, the, in the name of Jesus, feet be straight. This is exactly what happened. I know this kid. I've known her since she was a kid. I remember the stuff that she had going with her legs, all right? We are 12 years later. She has not had a problem since, all right? She says, but, but and they said, feet be straight. And both her feet, she said, she felt them set. She tried to roll them in just to, to test it while they were praying, and they set, they straightened out. And they rolled outward. She said when she stood up, she was a half inch taller. Yeah, right? She said when she stood up, she was a half inch taller, and, but she kept tripping because she didn't ever walk on her whole feet before. And she was tripping around the house, all right, trying to get used to this. She said the next day she ran for two miles straight without anything popping out and, 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 she, and with, with nothing. She said it felt like she had casts on her lace for like two weeks. But then, nothing. Played soccer for another year with the same team that would have to carry her off the field after each, each game after just a few minutes of being out there and running a short distance. And what's happening is crazy, man, because it says, it says that this immediately it was, it blew me away because we just made the connection last night or yesterday when we were talking. Uh, she's in, uh, I think it's in uh, Montana. I think that's where they're at now. And... Uh, she made the connection last night. I go, man, dude, this, I go, this happened when you were 18 years old? She goes, yeah. I go, dude, I'm telling a story about a woman who's been disabled for 18 years. And we're like, we're like, no way. Both of us were like tripping out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. All right. And what's amazing, even more amazing is just like this woman, you know, she has been glorifying God. She has, she has a, 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 a TikTok page, uh, Jessica Laurent's uh, TikTok page. And man, every, just glorifying God on, constantly, every day, just blowing it up. But she was glorifying God even before it happened because even in her infirmity, even in her disability, she never gave up on God. You're like, what if that doesn't happen? Stay close, we'll talk about it. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant, sound like he couldn't go to the bathroom for a long time, because Jesus had helped, sorry, I couldn't help it. Indignant, doesn't that sound like a guy who just can't go to the bathroom? Anyways, um, the ruler of the synagogue, man, had to ruin it, didn't I? All right, sorry, anyways. But the ruler of the synagogue, the synagogue was indignant because Jesus, now you're not gonna be able to look at that word ever again. Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the people, check this out. He said to the people, there are six days uh, in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not the Sabbath day. And it was crazy. These guys did more work getting dressed, all right, to come to synagogue that morning than Jesus did to heal this woman. <laughs> I mean, this is one of those sentences I, try, I challenge people to, to, to say over and get, could you repeat that again? I would have said, could you say that one more time? Could you say it again so that they can actually hear themselves saying this stupid thing? 
so they could actually hear themselves telling other people to ignore the people that God told you not to ignore. And throughout the scriptures, you see that. And I challenge you, when all you see is the process, you miss the people. When all you can see is the process, you will miss the people that God is calling you alongside. You will miss the people that God is calling you to love on and to pray over. You will miss the people that maybe even God is calling you to pray healing into their life and experience the life. When all you see is the process, no, it got like this, then you miss the people who the process was made for. We're called to see. And this is exactly what it means by making it harder for people to know Jesus. This is how we make it harder. And we're not here to make it harder, right? What are we here to do? Make it easier for people to know Christ by removing this kind of junk. And I wonder about this synagogue leader. I wonder if he actually, you know, did pray for this lady, you know, on the days that weren't synagogue day, one Sabbath. On those other days over the past 18 years. And then I wonder, do we? You know, concerning this kind of thinking, Jesus quoted the prophet Hosea when he said in Matthew, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You're like, man, you need to just calm down and do this Sabbath thing the way we were supposed to do it. And Jesus is like, I, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You see, sacrifice keeps my eyes. If all I'm just focused on is my sacrifices and my sacrifices and my sacrifices, it keeps my eyes on me. But if I focus on mercy, it helps me see others. And it helps me see the way Jesus sees others. I mean, what's even crazier is mercy actually is great sacrifice because love is the greatest sacrifice. It's the world-changing sacrifice that we could ever give. Jesus was just saying, you got it backwards. See, the gospel, you know, Jesus could himself, he could have came down here and says, all right, I'm cracking heads. That's it. I'm getting all you guys in line, man. You're a mess. You know, you do this too much. You do that too much. We could have, he could have came down here and just cracked heads. But instead, his love demanded action. His mercy, his love, his grace demanded action. And then like we shared in a couple of weeks ago in, in, in a sermon called Fire, and if you missed it, you need to check it out because we talk about, you know, just that, that, that great sacrifice of Jesus, Jesus owning all our sin. But, but in his love, he demanded, demanded action. He gave up his relationship on the cross. He gave up his relationship with the Father for a moment so that we could have a relationship with the Father for eternity. When he said all, uh, you know, when all the sins of the world, your sins and my sins, came upon him, and, the, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All right, for a moment, he gave up the relationship with the Father so that we could have a relationship with the Father for eternity. That's great sacrifice. Led by mercy, led by love. And the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? He says, you know what? You take better care of your animals than you do people. 
And he says, and not, not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? What he's telling her is when a daughter of Abraham is basically saying that according to all the other people groups around us, all right, this right here, this is family, bro. This is a child of the same promise that we have from the time of our father Abraham all the way to this moment. This is your sister. Why can't you see her? You should be celebrating right now that she's straightened up. You let loose your donkey and you're going to leave your sister just tied up. And you know what? There were a lot of daughters at this time that were not getting healed. What about them? There was a lot of sons that were not being healed. What about them? Let me ask you this, man. What if God doesn't heal you or someone you love physically? What are you trying to see when that doesn't happen? When that healing doesn't happen? What are you looking for then? Are you still seeing what God is calling you to see? Or are you just starting to see this pain? It's overwhelming. I love our, our brother leading worship right now, Sage. I asked him to tell me if I could tell the story and his wife, the story of his wife and the, and the struggles that she's been going through, right? And uh, our dear Cassie. And I asked him, can I share that, that story? Because it's a pretty amazing story and you just got to lean in on this one. So I'm going to share it in his words. I kind of wrote this down so I can make sure I got it right. He says, about 2019, about four years ago, Cassie started noticing symptoms that she could not explain. Sharp shooting pain throughout her body, intense burning, soreness all over, fatigue and headaches, restlessness, hypersensitivity. Basically, she, had a, she actually would tell me that she had a hard time. Even her clothes would hurt her really, really bad. The works. And the doctors were not able to provide any explanations that, were, that would offer anything that would give her relief. And he said, according to all the medical knowledge that we had available to us, they were all saying that she was perfectly healthy. And within about six months, all right, Cassie lost more than 80 pounds, but not in a healthy way. She started to wither away, he said, before our eyes. I would often, he said, I would often find her as isolated. This is a man, and we were like, what are we talking about? Somebody's seen the pain. Somebody's seen his wife. Somebody's seen, this is what we're called to do. That's why I want to hear his perspective. He said, I would often find her isolated in a room, crying or laying down because she was in so much pain. I remember her sitting at the dinner table and just looking at her food, saying things like, why is this happening to me? This is not fair. Eventually, she would be diagnosed with fibromyalgia, an autoimmune disease that attacks the central nervous system or right, hinders ability to interpret and regulate pain. He said this, and this is what's crazy. He said that, that after we've been dealing with this for the better part of a year, I remember there was a night where she was in really bad shape. She was writhing in pain, curled up in a ball, crying her eyes out on the bed. I remember feeling helpless, and the only thing I could think of to do was, was pray. He said, you have, to imagine, you have to remember, at this time, Cassie did not know the Lord. And he grew up in church. All right, she didn't grow up in church, but, but, but while she knew he did, he said, still, for me to pray with her was something that was foreign to our relationship. They haven't really done that. 
said, nevertheless, they were out of options, and both of them were at the end of the rope, and so we needed uh, that, you know, something that neither of us had, had the ability to provide. We needed a miracle, and so that's what we prayed for, and I laid on the bed with my arms around her, and we prayed that God would take away this pain. He said, now, while God did not instantly heal her pain, that night, I can look back today, he says, in certain, with certainty and say that, that that was the moment that things began to slowly change. He said, not long after that, Cassie expressed to me that she would like to know God better and begin to show interest in going to church. And they started coming here and they got involved in a community group that surrounded them. He said, we went to a group a few times and Cassie would kind of keep quiet for the most part. Until one night, she just couldn't contain it because she was in pain and sadness. And then she said, no longer, she couldn't hold it in no longer. So she decided to share her story and her struggles and how she had given up. And the whole group laid hands on her and they started praying over her. And they prayed for a miracle. And while he said, while she never came out and said it, I believe that was the night that Cassie decided to give her life to Christ. I believe that she surrendered everything to him right then and right there, and she let go. Early the next morning, he said they were in bed, and she shot out of bed and just woke me up, woke me right up, he said, and he said, looked at me and said, with absolute certainty, I know what God wants me to do. All right, and she went on to explain that God wanted her to start a chronic illness group here for women at the church. And today, he says that today that, I'm sorry, the day that her group was going to start, he said that, that Cassie woke up with a massive flare and I was concerned about her ability to go anywhere, let alone lead a group that night. And, then I, and when I asked her if she wanted to reschedule, you know, because she was just in pain, she, you know, she was in pain that day and was like, man, you shouldn't be going, right? You, you know, she's hurting too much and it was just, everything was flaring up and uh, he asked her if she wanted to reschedule and she said something to me, I'll never forget. She said this to her husband. She said, you know, no, God needs me to be this way tonight. He needs me to be this way so he can reach the women that need him most. It completely blew my mind that after all that she had gone through, that was the perspective she had. She knew that God would use her pain to do amazing things and that she could not do otherwise. He said, that's the moment I realized that while God had not completely healed her pain, he had definitely healed her heart. Are you willing to see that? Are you willing to see that in your life and in the life of others? Luke 13, 17, I'll end with this here. He says, as he said all these things, his adversaries were put to shame and all the people rejoiced and all the glorious things that were done by him, all right? Recognize this. I don't know if you know this or if you know Cassie here, all right? You know, Cassie started that group and it was amazing and it was amazing and she leads a community group now and is one of our solid ground speakers. If you ever watch our videos, go to YouTube, go to the church YouTube, click notifications, all that stuff, all right? And you'll see what I'm talking about. She speaks at women's conferences. Amazing what God is doing through her now. 
Jessica, man, I love this, man. I was, uh, Jessica, all right, uh, she said after that healing happened, she was in Costco one day, right? In Costco one day, and, uh, and she said, I felt different. I, I was walking right. I, felt, I knew I was healed, and there was something I needed to do with that. She said, I saw, she said, here, check this out. I saw a guy with a cast, and immediately I felt, I felt it burning in my heart for him, all right? I felt like you know, that he could be healed. And then she said, I saw another person in pain, and I felt like I can heal that. There's something, not like she could heal him, but she felt a burning and a concern for that person. And they said, she said she ended up going into the bathroom and into a stall and just started crying before God. And she was like, man, God, what do I do with all, with, with what I know now? She's sitting in a bathroom stall. She's just kind of just hiding in there and just asking God, what do I do, man, with all this? And then she heard a lady in the bathroom talk about how she had to have a surgery for this and this. And so she continued to pray, and she said, Lord, if that lady is still out there, I'm going to walk out there, and I will pray with her. And so as she finished praying, she walked out there, and she didn't see the lady, and she was like, okay. You know what I mean? Kind of like, you know, not because she didn't want to, but because she really didn't know how to do this. And then she heard the lady, she was actually cleaning the bathrooms in there, cleaning the stalls. And she went up to the lady, and she says, I heard you say that you had these surgeries you had to go through and this pain you're suffering. And the lady literally turned to her and said, are you an angel? And she says, no, I've just been healed. God has just healed me. And I believe he wants me to pray with you because you're on my heart and I believe you're on his heart. And she let her pray with her. Now, Jessica didn't see her after that. Four years later, Jessica runs into that same lady and the lady said, I was healed. I didn't have to need the surgery. I was totally healed. And there were other things that were wrong with me, and they were healed too. I want to challenge you. I challenge you to, you know, to, to, to think about this. If all you see is your pain, you're going to miss Jesus. If all you see is the pain around you, you're going to miss Jesus. If all you can see is, is just suffering, and, and you know what I mean, you're supposed to look at it, but you're not just to focus on the suffering and the pain. You're supposed to focus on the one who can heal the suffering and the pain, and he is Jesus. So I want you to do something this week. Very simple. You're going to recognize this prayer because I've challenged you to pray this prayer over and over and over again. And I will challenge you to pray this prayer Actually, pray for me because I'm trying to write a book about this prayer and it's taking a long time. But anyways, the prayer is simply this. You remember? Thank you, Jesus. All right? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I do want to challenge you to pray this every hour in the hour. (laughs) All right, left that part out. All right? I've talked to you about, some of you guys about this before. Set your timer. Try this, try this. Do this with me, I'm sorry. Set your timer every hour on the hour to go off. So when you leave the house that day, or even while you're at home and before you leave, when that timer goes off, I want you to pray this prayer. Lord God, thank you, Jesus. I'm yours. Help me see the way you see. Help me see the way you see. All right, and that's the part I want you to focus on. When you're saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for saving my life. I am all yours all yours. Every bit of me is yours, Lord God. Help me see the way you see. 
Oh, you already set your timer. Very good. Pray that prayer. And then two questions I want you to ask with that. Number one, who is he asking me to see this hour? Who is he asking me to see? And the second question is, what is he asking me to pray? And then go and pray. And if possible, go and pray with them. Well, we sure got the easy part done, don't we? Now's your turn. Praise the Lord. Amen.